You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Our message this morning is titled, Who Can Stop the Lord? And I love that worship song. Many of you know the song I'm talking about, Who Can Stop the Lord? It's a great song, but I think maybe that song might have been based on the passage of Scripture we're going to be studying this morning because we see the Lord move in a special way, in a powerful way. And I believe the Lord can move in our lives in that way as well. There was an old Scotsman who operated a rowboat for transporting passengers. Uh, and, and, and one day there was a passenger who came along and noticed that as he was riding there in the boat with the old man, he noticed that the one oar said faith and on the other oar was carved the word works. A curiosity led this passenger to ask the old man about the meaning of those words that were carved into the oars. And the old man, of course, was excited about the opportunity to get to share his faith. And so he said, well, let me show you. And he dropped one of the, war, one of the oars, and he began to row only with the one that had the word works carved on it. And he rowed pretty hard, and of course, you can guess the boat went in circles. It didn't go anywhere. Then he dropped that oar picked up faith, and began to row with the oar that had faith carved into it. And again, went in circles. In fact, it almost got dangerous because as one of the swells came along and the boat wasn't facing the right way, it, it tipped and almost knocked the passenger over the side. And after this demonstration, the man picked up faith and works and began to row with both of those oars in unison, facing the prow of the little boat the correct direction into the swells and got across the land. And he said, you can tell that faith with, without, or that, that dead works by themselves are useless. And in the same way, faith without works is also dead. And it gets you nowhere. But when you have faith and works Working together, pulling together, it makes for safety, for progress, and for blessing in our lives. What a great little illustration that we can also apply to our lives today. There are people trusting in dead works, thinking that, hey, if I do good things for God, it's going to get me somewhere. But listen, those dead works, void of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you spin in circles, you get nowhere. Likewise, faith, if all you have is, hey, I love God, and it's, it's on your lips, but it's never in your actions, in the, in, in the same way, you're just as much a danger as the person who's trusting in their dead works. We need to have faith that is put into action, and that's what this message is about today. In today's scripture, we're going to see Three things, if you're following along in your outlines, we'll see, number one, what the heart of faith looks like, what it looks like to have a heart of faith. Number two, how God responds to the heart of faith, or God's heart in responding to faith. And then thirdly, the heart of a true companion in the faith. Those are the three things that we'll see today. But let's start by seeing the story. Let's look at verse one with me. Whoops. Verse one. Read along in your own Bible with me as I read. It says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. 
Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. So let's pause right here for a moment. And let's get caught up on the context. These verses introduce us to the story. I'd like to give you just a little bit more of the background of what we're reading. Now, the young Israelite kingdom here, newly established under Saul as king, is under attack by the mighty Philistine army. The Philistines, they hold so much control at this point over the Israelites, they've even dictated what the Israelites can use as weapons. Okay? They've taken away all the blacksmiths from the land of Israel. In fact, there was a portion of scripture from last week's message I never got to. It's the end of chapter 13. I encourage you to check it over, brush over that. But basically, in that passage, you see that the Philistines had taken away all the blacksmiths from the land of Israel. And so Israel, if they needed a blacksmith, they had to go to the Philistines and they had to pay very high prices to get their instruments sharpened, their farming instruments sharpened. So it was basically extortion. It was basically a form of control to keep the Israelites from obtaining advanced weaponry. The Philistines, on the other hand, they were already in iron weaponry. They had already uh, uh, gotten it to that stage, whereas Israel was still using ineffective bronze weapons. On top of all of that, Saul and his army at this point only number about 600 men. The Philistine army is much larger than the Israelites, and they're surrounding them with detachments of troops that have split off into many directions. Okay, So the Israelite army is surrounded, it's overpowered, they're outnumbered. And just when the situation seems hopeless, we see a glimmer of hope here in this passage seen through one man's faith in God. Look at verse 4. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sena. And then the, the front of one faced northward to opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. So let's pause right here for a moment. I want to show you guys some maps that will help to orientate us. And this is coming from Google Earth. It might be a little bit hard to see. But this is the town of Jabba, modern day. This uh, in the Bible is known as Giba. Okay, And this is the outpost that was already attacked by Jonathan. And they overtook that. Now, on the other side, up there at the top of the screen is Michmash, which is also at the modern-day town of Mukamas. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce Arabic very well. They're both Arabic villages in Israel, but they're still there today. And you can kind of see this ravine, this sharp ravine that cuts through between the both of them. You can also see this major thoroughfare, that road that's winding up through there. That was known as the pass. And that would have been the main avenue of transportation, the main way that any army who was going to attack Michmash, that would have been the way that they would have approached. And I've got a couple of different pictures for you. This is the opening of 
the, uh, the gap, what was known as the gap, that major thoroughfare of transportation. And right here, this would have been the best way to take an army to attack Michmash. You can see the opening there in the hills. It, it, it's an easy avenue of approach to come in and to attack. And so the Philistines, of course, had this area highly guarded. What, what Jonathan does, though, is brilliant. He comes in through the sharp canyon, which you can kind of see the picture of the cliffs. You see the rocks and how sharp it is. And he comes in from the side. And, and, and instead of approaching from the direction that the Philistines thought he was going to come in, he comes in from the hardest area to approach Michmash, which would have been climbing these rocky cliffs on the side of this canyon. So, <clears throat> with that in mind, let's jump back in to the text 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Hey, if you like to write in your Bibles, please underline that sentence. Nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Notice that heart of faith. Verse 7. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. And then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say thus to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So notice that Jonathan comes up or he devises a way. It's kind of like a fleece. He lays out a plan, and he says, here's what we'll do. (laughs) We'll step out in faith. We'll get this attack started, but then we're going to see if the Lord is actually providing for us. We're going to see if he's actually guiding us into us. And the way we're going to know is if they say to us, hey, stay where you are. We're going to come down to you. Jonathan says, that's how we'll know that we need to uh, you know, hold fast that this, this isn't the Lord. But he says, if they say to us, hey, why don't you guys come up here? Jonathan says, that's how we'll know God is inviting us to actually step into the battle and to go for it here, and that God is going to deliver them into our hands. Now, how did he come up with this? I don't really know. <laughs> I, I, and, and I think he's just thinking, okay? And, but God is going to meet him where he's at, and God is actually going to guide him. And that's what we see happening here. I want to take it just a minute before we move on, though, and I want to describe faith, because there might be some of you here that are wondering, what in the world does faith mean? What does it look like? How can we describe it? Well, let's just describe it very simply, first of all. Faith simply means believing that something is true, and then committing your life to it. So in the Bible, faith means believing in God and in what Christ has done for us to make our salvation possible. And then we commit ourselves to Christ. That's what faith is. In other words, we might say that faith really has two parts to it, and both are equally important. Remember the oars. you got works and you've got faith. So 
The first part is belief, believing that God exists, believing that he loves us, that he sent his son Jesus to save us. And faith is not just a vague hope that God might exist. It's a definite belief that what the Bible says about him is true, and then it's a follow-up of committing your life to him. It's those two things working together. You believe, but you also commit yourself to it, and you follow the teachings of Christ and of the Bible. That's living it out. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. And then verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In other words, the person who has been justified by Jesus Christ's death on the cross is now to live their life by faith. You commit yourself to the Lord to live for him, to, to, to walk with him, to know him deeper. That's the commitment that a person makes when we've been justified by Christ. This is where we put our everyday lives into God's hands, just like Jonathan does. Jonathan is facing an everyday real-life situation in which he's under attack by the enemy in the land of Israel. And he needs the Lord. Now, for you and for me, it may be different. But we are still to commit our lives to follow him in everyday circumstances. And as we do this, God will strengthen and refine your faith. Let's continue the story in verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, The Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. All right, did you notice there? I want to go back to that picture there of the cliffs. Did you notice that that is what Jonathan is climbing up on his hands and knees there in verse 13? He's scrambling to get at these guys. In verse 14, we read that the slaughter, the first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within half an acre of land. So I want to talk to you today about the heart of faith and what that looks like practically in our lives. Here in the text, we see first of all that it believes that nothing is impossible for God. Jonathan is manifesting a heart of faith and he truly believes Nothing is impossible for my God. When it seems impossible, that is when those that have a heart of faith will step forward and say, you know what, let's go over to the garrison of the Philistines. We're not going to sit back. We're not going to take it easy. We're going to move forward. That's the heart of faith. What about you, brother? What about you, sister? Are you perhaps in a place in life where you find yourself surrounded by the enemy? You're outnumbered. 
Maybe you're going through a fiery trial right now in your life, and it seems to be getting the better of you. Maybe the enemy has got you backed up into a corner, and you feel like defeat is just inevitable. Perhaps he has rendered you powerless. Maybe he's taken some ground from your life, from the spiritual life that you have in Christ. Sometimes it can seem that the fight that we face, it's just pointless to continue on. We, it, we can feel like it's, hey, why not just give up? Why not just let go? Why am I even trying? Listen, it's true that the enemies that we face in our lives, the spiritual battle that we face, it comes from the evil one. And it is true that the evil one is stronger than us. He's smarter than us. He has more effective weapons than we do. But listen, the heart of faith is one who says, I may not have the weapons that he has. I might be surrounded. I might be outnumbered. But I have one thing that you don't have. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is a living God. That is, a, I serve the maker of heaven and earth. The one that made me who will not allow my feet to slip. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He never goes to sleep on the job. (laughs) So we need to be willing to step out. We need to be willing to give it a try. We need to to be willing to say, God, I'm going to take my eyes off of the enemy and I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe that nothing is impossible for you. We might fall. We might fail. But our faith will keep us on track. And nothing restrains God who is able to save, whether it's by many or by few. Let's not forget that. Secondly, we see that the heart of faith believes that God is for us, not against us. (laughs) This is a big thing. This is a big deal. Many Christians wrestle with this. Many Christians live in a place of condemnation and doubt. But the Word of God destroys that doubt. Turn to Romans chapter 8 this morning, if you would, please, in your Bibles. And this will not be on the screen, so you'll need to turn there if you have your Bibles. If you don't, that's okay. We've got some in the back, and you can grab one of those and follow along, or you can just listen to me as I read this. But Romans chapter 8, verse 31, and I want to read down to 34. This really describes for us the truth that God is for us. And, and, and think of Jonathan for a moment as he's scrambling up that hill. This is his battle cry. The Lord is for us. He is not against us. The Lord is for us. Read Romans 8 with me, verse 31 down to 34 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did who he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, if God didn't even think that he was going to keep his son, the most precious possession, the most prized and privileged thing that he had, he gave that to us generously. What makes us think he's not for us? What makes us think he's going to withhold good things from us? Verse 33 Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? 
It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hey, listen, when the enemy is in our face, when the fiery trial surrounds us, when the temptation is coming too great, we can remember this. Just as Jonathan scrambled up that cliff thinking God is for us, God is for us, we too have the promise of God's word that we can stand upon. And when the enemy tries to condemn and separate us from the one who loves us, we can remind the enemy, no, that's not true. The Bible tells me God is for me. God is for us. And this is the battle cry of every person here today who is in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, we see that the heart of faith is willing to do whatever it takes to win back the ground for God. This is another big mark of a person who has a heart of faith. The person with a heart of faith is not content to surrender ground to the enemy and then to rest back on his laurels and allow the enemy to maintain possession of the ground that we are rightfully supposed to have. Look at verse 13 and 14 again there. Did you notice Jonathan again? He had to scramble on his hands and knees to make this happen. Sometimes the heart of faith must take not just one step in faith, but 20. Sometimes you have to climb a cliff. But if you don't give up, you will see in time that the hand of God will intervene and move on your behalf to open doors of victory. Yes, in the world's eyes, it might seem like you're crazy. But the heart that trusts in the Lord can stand on the word of God and march forward through the most hopeless of circumstances, knowing that God is going to move. When God points you in a direction, when God says, this is where I want you, and he says, go, and he confirms that, then we have to walk forward by faith down that path. Hey, if we don't, if we lag, if we hold back, we'll never see the blessings that God has in store. We'll never see God doing amazing things. Does that mean it's going to be easy? Oh, no. (laughs) Walking by faith, it's always hard. It's always going to be hard. In fact, it will be the hardest thing that you ever did. It's going to seem crazy. People may look at you and think, that person is off their rocker. I don't understand why they're doing this. But as you step out, you'll see the Lord at work in ways that you would never, ever have seen if you didn't. That is the life of faith. That is the heart of faith. Now that we've seen that heart of faith here in Jonathan, I want to take a look closer at the heart of God in responding to faith. Whoops. Yeah, the heart of the Lord as he responds to us in faith If you look at me with me in verse 6, don't look at me, look at your Bible. In verse 6, where Jonathan proclaims, he says, For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Consider with me this amazing truth just for a minute today. The Lord will save. We have a God who lives to save. He is a God who loves to save. 
And whether it is by many or by few, we can rest assured, brothers and sisters, the Lord will save his people. You might say, no, not me. You don't know me, Phil. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how many times I've fallen on my face, how many times I have failed the Lord. There's no way out for this. But listen, Scripture is clear. Our God is a God who lives to save all of those who will put their faith in Him. It may seem hopeless. It may seem like you're powerless. But by choosing to trust in the Lord, you are choosing salvation. And along with that salvation, the God who saves, whether by many or by few, will save. He will do it. Now, it may take a process. It may take time. You may have to enter into a process of training yourself. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. But brother and sister, please do not give up. Do not give up because the Lord wants to save. And secondly, the Lord will reward. For those who will obey the Lord, for those who put their faith into action, God is waiting to reward them just as he did with Jonathan. Unfortunately, there are too many Christians today who are reluctant to put their faith into action. They want Christianity, they want salvation, but they want it the easy way. They might, we might say that there's a form of Christianity light that's very popular today. It's a Christianity that comes in name and word, but not in deed. It's a Christianity that says, yes, I want God, but only for what he benefits me with. I'd like to just continue to live my life the way I want to live it. But there's a problem with that, as we'll, we'll see, not only in Scripture, but i got a little video I just want to show for you guys this morning very quickly. For far too long, people of faith have been asked to go outside and do stuff. And that's fine if that's your bag, but what about those who say, no, that's not my bag. I don't want to go outside and do stuff. Well, you're in luck. Now you can live the Christian life without leaving your couch. Attend church in your pajamas. Just choose your settings. Pick your style of music. You can even play a face-melting solo with the worship band. Rock on! Join a small group and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you get tired of them, just create new ones. Challenge your small group leader to a duel if you don't like his message. And everyone knows the Christian life is more than just being fed. So get your avatar out there in the virtual community and do your part. Be a fisher of men. Pray for the sick. Volunteer at an orphanage. Feed the homeless. Start your own prison ministry. And when things get out of hand, teach those thugs how to turn the other cheek. Fulfill the Great Commission from the seated position. Live out your faith from the safety and comfort of your own living room. We Faith. 
virtual church for the virtual Christian from London. Sometimes that's the way it seems, but real Christianity is about getting out there and affecting real people's lives. And, and that's what we're studying today. Jonathan has this kind of a faith that realizes if something is going to happen, it's going to take somebody stepping out and, 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 and seeing if the Lord is going to move on our behalf. And we, we need a heart like that. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice that God is a rewarder. But he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So for those of you that, that, that may be living this Christianity style light, you're going to miss out on the rewards that God has for those that do put feet to their faith and do step out. Because it's impossible to please God unless we're living our lives seeking after him. We might find ourselves throwing up these things called arrow prayers, just shooting an arrow to heaven in a sense with a prayer, something like, God, help me today with school. Or, God, help me today with this person that I'm working with or that I'm dealing with. Or, God, help me today with my spouse. Or, as I prayed yesterday, Lord, help me with my honey-do list. <laughs> help me to get it done with the right attitude and, 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 and to have the skill to even do some of the things I'm trying to do because I don't have a lot of these skills. It can be that simple, but that's a heart that's seeking after God, isn't it? Someone that says, Lord, I'm trusting in you to fill me with your Holy Spirit today and to lead me and to guide me. And I'm going to step out. Whatever it is that I'm facing, whatever it is that I'm doing, Holy Spirit, Fill me, trust. I'm trusting in you, and, and I need you to lead me. That's what it means to seek after God. Thirdly, we see the heart of a true companion in the faith in this text. Look back at verse 7 with me this, this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 7. We read this, So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. We see the heart here of a true friend in the faith. This is someone that God has sent to Jonathan to be a blessing in his life. You know, I would just like to say very quickly on a, as a side note, I feel this way in my relationship with my wife, Rebecca. I feel like God has sent her to me and, and, and hopefully she feels that God has sent me to her so that we can encourage one another. She is my true companion in the faith in the sense that whenever I'm ready to step out in faith, whenever I feel like God is leading us, she has always been by my side. She's always been the one to come alongside and to say, you know what? Go for it. I'm with you in this. And that heart of a true companion is one of the greatest blessings that I think I could ever know. It's one of God's major uh, uh, forms of grace in my life. But my prayer for us today is that God would surround us with many men and women who have this same heart. A heart 
to step out in faith and to support God's work. A heart that says, you know what? Go for it. I'm with you. I want you to go and to do all that's in your heart for God. And I'm going to come with you and I'm going to support you. I'm going to get your back. If you notice there in verse 13 and 14, Jonathan was the one. He was charging up that hill and he's swinging his sword. And he doesn't have time to wait and see if his enemy is completely vanquished. He's just charging in. And within half an acre there, he's already dealt with 20 warriors from the Philistine army. But his armor bearer is coming along behind him and protecting his back by making sure that they are defeated, that they're vanquished. And that is the heart of a true companion, someone who comes along and says, you know what, I might not be at the front of this, I might not be the one who's initiating this, but I got your back. I'm with you. Oh, that God would bring people like this into our lives. That he would surround us with, whether it's our husband or our wife or our children or co-workers or maybe just family in our church or all of the above. That God would surround us with people that have the heart of this true companion. I believe that God has already raised up many of you, many men and women here in this church. And he's in the process now of raising up even more. Through, through the things that we do on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and Tuesdays and Sunday afternoons and through so many other things that we're doing in this church. But I want to ask you, will you be one of these men or women of faith? Will you say to your friend, to your spouse, to your pastor, you can count on me. I'll be here for you. I want to see what God wants to do. And I'm here to support in any way that I can. I want to close by reading this poem to you. It says, Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith answers I. I want to challenge you today, as we close this out, to make a commitment to the Lord today. To make a commitment that you're going to take your eyes off of yourself, off of your problem, and you're going to put them back on the Lord. Because when our eyes are on the Lord, as Jonathan's were, we can step out in faith. We can crawl up that cliff if if he's calling us to do that, if our eyes are on the Lord. What's holding you back today? What do you need to change about your perspective? Remember, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And if your faith is rooted in the rock that is Jesus Christ, then you cannot be shaken. Let's pray.